you ever wonder how some of the greatest people today become who they are? Most everyone has experienced that turning point in their life. It's these moments that forever changed who they were into whom they become. Today on The Moment with Chris Epting, you'll hear from these people and hopefully be inspired to find your own life-changing moment. Now, here is your host, Chris Epting. Hey there, thank you for joining me today. I'm Chris Epting. If you're listening live, happy Valentine's Day. If you're listening to the archived version, um, belated happy Valentine's Day. Today's show has has kind of a theme. And uh, if you uh, kind of think of it like this, back in the 1970s, teen idol Leif Garrett was like the heartthrob to millions of girls all over the world. So given the fact that today we had a big announcement, Leif and I, that is, on a book we've been working on, his memoir, we've been working on for about a year and a half. Today, February 14th, 2019, is available for pre-order on Amazon.com. You can actually go there right now and look up the book, Idol Truth, I-D-O-L, Truth, and, uh, and see that it's coming this summer, but you can actually pre-order it today. So we were really excited about that and wanted to tie it into Valentine's Day because, again, so many uh, fans of Leif have such incredible memories from back then and just, you know, plastering their bedroom walls, ceilings, and floors with images of him. We thought it would be fun. So Leif is my guest today. It's a pre-recorded interview. And I'm going to get to it in just a minute. But I just wanted to let you know a little bit about the book. Um, if you look at Amazon right now, this is the description it says there. It says, former teen idol Leif Garrett bears his soul for the first time ever, revealing his deepest secrets about the extraordinary highs and devastating lows he has survived over the years. And it's really true. You know, when Leif and I first started talking about his book, um, he the first thing he expressed to me was that he really wanted to uh, – get his truth out there, his version, his side of things. He wanted to be very transparent. Uh, he wanted to correct records that, that have been out there for a long time and, and really just, just accomplish a lot of things that all have to do with his own truth. And to that end, he has shared with me just some incredible stories that I, I bet most people have never heard that really speak to what it was like to be that person at that moment in the late 1970s. And for those of you know us who remember, the 70s in terms of teen idols, there were a lot of them, but sort of the triumvirate, the three that really made up you know, the teen idol universe primarily were, of course, David Cassidy, uh, then Sean Cassidy, and Leif Garrett. I mean, again, there were others, but I think if, you, if you're going to be fair about this, those three are the ones that really uh, were the most prominent and the ones that, that did the most, got the most attention. And so for Leif to do this and tell his story now is is no small deal. And I feel really privileged that, uh, you know, that to be the guy working with him. So he and I spoke. It's actually it was Super Bowl Sunday. And that's what you're going to hear in the background. It's, it's very conversational and very loose the way we've <laughs> been working together. But you'll hear the TV on in the background. We actually even react a couple of times uh, to the game that's going on. And uh, but what, what, what's interesting about it was that day when you write a memoir. What I've learned is a very important part of the experience is to go back through your own personal artifacts, go back through old scrapbooks and photographs and clothing and things that are sort of triggers to your memories uh, of your earlier self. And he and I have done that a lot in the last year. But on this day when we spoke on Super Bowl Sunday, 
we had uh, gone and looked at some things we'd never seen before, you know, old, you know, photos and things, personal effects. And it was a really, it was a really special day because we found some things he hadn't seen in a long time and it, you know, dredged up some old memories. So as we're talking about this, it's sort of fresh from that experience. And I think you'll hear that in his voice. Um, Leif is, uh, he's a great storyteller. He's very funny. He's really excited about doing what he's doing right now and uh, I hope you will be too again you can check the book Idle Truth out today starting today at Amazon.com what we're going to do the interview runs about 25 minutes or so and what I'd like to do is going to let that play right now going to come back and then if you've got phone calls I would love to hear from you there's uh, a number that I will call up here in a moment toll free number that you can call in if you want to chat with me again Leif's not here today what's funny is originally um, you know he and I were going to do this live and we thought, you know what, let's hold back on that because we're going to have other kind of surprises for you leading up to the actual release of the book that will be more interactive and participatory. But the number that you can uh, call toll free is 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. You call in. Here's the interview. Again, we'll come back out of the interview. Take some of your calls if you want to chat with me about this book. But I'm really excited. The name of the new book is... Idle Truth, a memoir, Leif Garrett with Chris Epting. It's a big moment for me to write this book, and now you're going to hear some moments from Leif Garrett, as we always hear on The Moment. Uh, I'm Chris Epting. Thank you for joining us. Be back in about 25 minutes. Enjoy the interview. Did you think of a moment? (laughs) Did you think of a moment? Sure. I thought of one. I got a few. I got a bunch. I got a shitload of moments. All right. Life is like a string of pearls. Before you get to your moment, I got a moment. So a few minutes ago, we were we were going through some old boxes of your stuff, yes. and you took out this pair of pants, these kind of silvery rock star pants, and you said those were from the very first, basically, appearance you made in front of a live audience, lip syncing a tune, yep. and those were the pants. Those were the pants. But like that's a moment. Yeah. It's a moment in the book. No, you're right. And it's it's a moment where things like change for you. What's what's crazy, as you say, at that moment, first of all, I couldn't believe that I still had those in my possession. <laughs> the second thought was, oh my God, was I really that tiny at it's one crazy. point in my life? It's crazy. The waist is like 20. It's literally it's so tiny, it's frightening. And then the, the next one was remembering sitting backstage before being announced and sitting in those pants my black Porsche shirt and and being so fucking nervous so scared you've never done this never ever no nothing like it nothing you know I've worked in film crews and stuff in front of people like that but nothing like and then the reaction, just, oh, nice! But we're watching the Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> not to date this, but the Rams. Yeah, no, not the Rams. Nice. I, when I went on stage, uh, it <laughs> was the Ram, so no, nice! The Rams finally got a first down. <laughs> right, so exactly. And then I remember before I walked out on stage, nice! <laughs> <laughs> but you see, you're backstage. No one's told you how to do this. No. Essentially, go out, you're going to have a dead mic probably to lip sync. Surfing That's USA, exactly right? It was. it was a full lip sync, and I was like, "Lip sync? What do you?" I mean, I first of all, I was like, "Okay, good. Woof. At least I can lip sync because I, I, I didn't know how to sing. I never sang. I don't, 
re- there was no rehearsal. There was no band. So that was weird to me because I was like, wait a minute. When I've ever seen a concert, there's been a band. How come there's no band? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Well, you're going to go out and just pretend like you're singing. What? Okay. That's fucking weird. But they still went crazy, right? Yeah, they, I, I could have gone out and just gone, you know, and it would have been fine. But the, the crazier part was doing it more than once. Well, this more is, than okay. twice. This like is when you, when you first told me this. The fact that you do it <laughs> once and you think, well, that's it. I, I got through it. And I was like, oh, God. And they're like, no, 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 stay. It's going too good. We, we need you to do it again. Exactly. And this goes on a couple of times, and they don't care that you're lip syncing the same song. No. The, the girls out front oh. don't care. Management loves it because it gets crazier and crazier. Yeah, it was just the energy was yeah. crazy. You're the only one that has no real say in it. And I'm just so glad that nobody noticed that I had made a fashion faux pas and that I hadn't discovered Capizios yet, and I was wearing my um, wallabies. My my desert boots with the my with, God. with the <laughs> but okay you mentioned Capizios uh, while we were going through that magical box out there a little while ago magic we, we come upon wait it. did we just score oh no didn't you talking about the night of the first show you almost scored the oh I did a ton <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of Capizios in the box is wide open wide open give you a little football play by play didn't you oh my god he, great defense if he just thrown it a little sooner actually he should have kept that yeah. he should have held on to that so um, we find yeah. this pair of white Capizios too and you say well those are, I wore those at the Astrodome Astrodome's your first real major show first right, essentially, with a band with a band right. which is a whole other moment for you because that's like moment. start of a US almost start of a US tour right, exactly. and, and now you're actually singing sure I mean and the best part was you know to get to the stage I got to ride a horse but you were good. You knew how to ride a horse, right? In capizios and spandex, <laughs> carrying the flag of Texas while my band played the Yellow Rose of Texas. Is that what they were playing when you rode out? Yep. What other song would they play? I don't know, but there's no there's no footage where you hear. There's little footage of you on a horse there, but no one ever captured the original sound. I didn't know that. So I just learned that now. And well, and it's probably because the sound in that place was so wretched. <sighs> The feedback, the bounce off of the the Astrodome uh, ceiling. <laughs> yes, that's right, folks. The Astrodome. The. I'm sorry. What? We get some play-by-play on the football. Yeah, what's Every that? Complex Dad? environment here. <laughs> Leif, what was it? Okay. The seventh, seventh, seventh wonder of the world. One of the seventh uh, newest modern wonders of the world, or something. It's a hell like of a place to start a concert career. Sure. Were you and s- God knows I didn't want to step in the, the cow and horse poop. Were you scared? Speaking of cow and horse poop, what? Wait, what? Were you scared that day, dude? Like, what was? What I was could going- have added to that horse and cow. Oh yeah! By the way, we have a tie game in this. If you watched the Super Bowl a week or so ago, you would have just seen the Rams finally tie it up here right? in the deep in the third quarter. It felt good, though. I got to tell you, riding up to the stage and getting off. First of all, I was happy just to let go of the flag of Texas. Uh, not that I, you know, 
But you had been look. You were you were already. I don't know if you had already been inducted into the uh, no cowboy hall. Yeah, well, yeah, I was for for doing the movie Peter Lund. Yeah, the uh, M O W right. So you were a horse. I mean, you knew how to ride a horse. Sure. Right, you're a skilled horseback rider. You get out there, but you're still scared because it's still the astronome. It's still full of screaming girls. Absolutely. And it's a live right. mic and a real band. Live mic, real band, and also the that um, the stage was actually moving on a slow like quarter pivot. So that more people could see the front of the stage. Wow. So you're dealing with all so, kinds of weird little so challenges. So I'm on a roller coaster. I just got off a horse. I'm onto a roller coaster. Uh, first time with a live mic and a band. And a three second or more delay. Um, and, uh, you know. Yeah. Look, so late. So people now know about the book. They know about Idle Truth, yeah, right? Okay. And so these are kind of moments that we're going to be t- that are addressed in the book. Obviously, what's what's it like for you to know that now people are, are getting ready to read about your life story? It's been a long time. You thought about this a long time. You're finally ready to do it. What yeah, it? Um, I'm actually looking forward to it because I I have been um, I think. Um, judged or my life has been compromised by others opinions or incorrect judgments from others or however you want to put it like you know what I mean like I just I I want to be able to like be judged on my own merit rather than for things that I may have done or maybe that some people don't agree with you know but we all go through you know trials and tribulations and just not everyone's is uh, televised or written about and uh, you know oh damn it I'm just a human being <laughs> stop first thing when we first sat down almost two years ago I to talk about feelings. this you do you do have feelings almost two years ago we first started talking about this yeah. your whole thing with me was I'm, I want to this is my clear, chance. Yeah. I want to clear the air. I want to, I just I want to let people know what we really have and set the record <laughs> straight. And you've done that. I mean, as we've been working on this, so. you come up with things that are, I think, are going to surprise a lot of people. It's it's your truth. You know, it's as what you saw and what you experienced. And I think people are going to be really... I hope so, because it, if, you know, anyone can try and disprove anything that I have spoken about or written about with you being by my side... Um, and and it, it won't it, they won't be able to because it's you know I I don't lie and I own up to my own mistakes and my own life and uh, you know and that's just the way it is you know but everyone deserves a you know a chance to rebuild or reinvent absolutely have you thought of this for a long time yeah finally to write your memoir like what's the, what's been the process been like for you, for you personally. More than anything, I, I, I don't want to do what I did on Behind the Music. How, what do you mean by that? For people that may not be familiar with the 20-year-old documentary on VH1, yeah, yeah. what did you do then? That you I, I, I basically just lied. And, you know, although it's nobody's business anyway, but, you know, when I was asked if I was, you know, completely clean and sober, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> But um, you know, I uh, I was actually right after makeup. I went into the bathroom and used, <laughs> and then went off camera. You so. even you even told me that the meeting where you go meet Roland Winkler, the fellow, your friend who was in the car accident, yeah. 
that even that was sort of sprung on you as you were on was. your way over. No, that was. No one told me ahead of time. I wasn't given a heads up at all. That was strictly on the way there. And then uh, there was a weird thing, too, about like, well, we want you to drive. The director wanted me to drive his checkered cab car. Which is in the show, I think. That's yeah, what it is. And that's what I'm driving as if it was my car, which is another lie. Yeah, but you know whatever it's just I just I'm tired of lying I don't want to lie I, if not if nothing even if it's God if you want to call it a lie okay it is a lie but I I don't I just don't want to like pretend to be something I'm not mm. you know and like for this you know as you know with the book and you'll, you've read or people have read already or hopefully they will that you know I was doing a lot of that for others when I yeah. that wasn't what I was about well, I think part of your story that a lot of people are going to learn oh, about. No, no. Uh, big gain by New England. You can tell Leif and I are both pulling, if not for the Rams, against New England. Right. Exactly. Here's the Super Bowl. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think people will learn that a lot of the things going on you were not in control of. I mean, you really not were not, had no say in what you were doing. You had to yeah. show up and behave, and you certainly got to the benefit of a lot of those experiences, but it's not what you wanted to be doing. You're right, you're right. I mean, listen, I'm grateful for what I've gone through and what I've experienced, and it's it's an incredible thing, and I, I would do it all again. I just wish that I was given the opportunity to have at least a little more say in my own um, career, whatever was going on at the time, you know? Do you think it still happens today to young artists that sort of get in the hands of a certain group of handlers, say, and then have strings pulled or don't have the ability to direct their own artistic I, I, career? You know, it's funny you ask that because I, I, was, I was thinking about that and I was wondering, I think maybe the last like people that that happened with was probably Millie, Millie Vanilli and who was the, the sister who did Saturday Night Live? Um, and she was lip syncing. Oh right, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll think of it. Yeah, the blonde. Um, right, uh, and the, Jennifer. Was it Jennifer? Jessica. Jess. Was it Jessica? Yeah, it was Jessica. Um, Simpson. That Simpson. Yeah. Was yeah. Because it, it, it was, you know, they, I think people realize nowadays you can't get away with that stuff. It's it's, it's near impossible. And, and I think that that's actually in, in a very good thing in a way because it keeps artists honest. Right. You know? So, you know, but don't get me... There, there was an art to being, you know, like that good of a, a you know grifter smoking mirrors, if you will, or whatever, you know? Well, that's the thing, is you made, you made it real. You know, and I think part of that, what's interesting is that I'm not sure people are familiar with, with how successful an actor you were before becoming, quote, right. teen idol, unquote. And I think the acting is what really helped save you through a lot of that because you knew how to play a part. Absolutely. And you knew how to develop a character and you knew how to deliver yeah. a performance, right? So, Absolutely. And you took direction really well. So all those things combined, when you have the right look, that's sort of the perfect recipe for a good right. teen idol, right? That's, yeah, no, that's that's well put. And it's it's true that... Um, you know, you you learn trial by fire, how to do things, um, but that's not the way that things should have taken place. Right. You know, you, you don't you don't become successful then pay your dues. Right. You pay your dues then become successful. You know, and that's the way longevity happens. This way, 
it's like, you know, because I started self-medicating because I felt I was perpetrating a lie. I wasn't being honest even with myself. That's a big theme in the book, by the way. I, yeah. I think that really emerges as, as a huge theme because you you wanted to change it. You weren't allowed to change it. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so you did what a lot of people do is you try to make you know, try to numb the pain. When you feel you have no control, yeah, you go to whatever makes you feel more comfortable. Yeah. And and you know at the end of the day, I think you also as as you were telling me. There were certain rock stars that you felt you had to emulate, like Jimmy yeah. Page and Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and to emulate them yeah. also involved sort of adopting their behavior. What you think is their everyday behavior. Right, right. And yet no one's yeah. telling you not to do right, it. Exactly. So it's like it just goes Actually, ahead. a lot of people were doing the opposite. You know, when I was out there, it was like, you know, whatever the kid wants. I was going into bars you know, underage and drinking because I had a Golden American Express. I was, I was, you know, being offered cocaine before, you know, I was 18 years old. I was just, it's stuff like that. It's like, you know, and so you think it's the norm. It's when rit uh, 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 ritual becomes habitual, it becomes a big, big problem. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean that narcotic use is, is the way to go. It's, you know, I, I do believe that they're, like with anything, there's a, People can become addicted to anything. Yeah. Food, sex, drugs, driving, whatever, you know. But it's important to keep things within, you know, uh, uh, the restraints of moderation. There was a box we opened up today and there were keys to the city and there were proclamations of like Leif Garrett Day in New Orleans and Fort Lauderdale. When you look at all those things, is it almost like a separate character? When you look at it today, looking back, yeah, totally. is there like this person that got all of these awards and honors? Do you relate to that person? Do you, yeah, do you remember that person? Do you, I mean, what's it like I, to... I do. And, and, you know, and like I was saying to you before, I really believe that if I had more discipline in my life from maybe a family unit or something that it might have worked out there would have been maybe more longevity and I would not have been so um, out of control if you yeah. will you know because I definitely was taking things for granted and I was not thinking of the long term you know because I first of all I didn't well, want you're, it you're to 16 be years old too. that way either Right, but at 16 or 17, how, really, yeah, right. no one was guiding you saying, right. look, this is the reality. Right. You were having fun. I mean, you were taking yeah. what was given to you. I had a lot of distractions. Really. Yeah. There was a lot of things like that. I just, I, yeah, you know, like, honestly, the first time I went into a bank, I was like 20-something <laughs> years old. Like, I didn't know how to balance a checkbook. A checkbook, what's that? I call my business manager and just get cash. You know, it's crazy. Um... So the book's coming out. There are amazing pictures in it. We went through some photos today that I think are going to blow people away. Just your your personal collection of things that are these memories of you just being a kid in a lot of cases. Um, in other and cases, the people I grew up with, you know, like you know, like Victoria Sellers and and Katie Wagner yeah. and and you know uh, Rod and, and got to meet you know my idols at sixteen, seventeen, you know. Because we were on the same record label and stuff like that, you know. I used to like go play soccer with Rod and stuff, and you know, I mean, th those are things that like I will always cherish, and you know, and I still, you know, you know, it, 
in passing, I'll, you know, we'll be able to say hello and be friends and stuff like that. And I became friends also with other people that I really liked, you know, like the Jane's Addiction guys and whatnot and Slash and all that sort of stuff. But I never felt that I was in that same category. Like when I gave, like I gave a lot of my gold records away to my friends and stuff, like some of the guys in Marilyn Manson, Dave Navarro and whatever. And Dave said, well, here, you gave me your first gold record. Let me give you mine. And I was like, ah, oh, no, dude, that's cool. Well, now I'm kicking myself in the freaking head. Like, oh my, what an idiot I am. But that's the way I was at at the time. I just, you, you were know, shedding worthy, yeah. part of yourself, too. I think you right. wanted to get rid of that image. I was trying to shed the lies, if you will. Well, you also, I think what I've learned in, in us working together as tight as we have is you look ahead. You're not one to yeah. get mired in too much nostalgia. I mean, you like to look ahead and know what's next. And Although, I must admit, yeah. memories are very important to me. And so is... Uh, like these photos and stuff like that well I, I have to say today was the first day that we really went through stuff on that level mm -hmm. and, I, and I've and i never seen you get um, touched the way you were by certain boxes I mean you're, you're pulling out stage clothes and you're pulling out old you know photo albums and banners and really got me there's there's a box in there that you said your, your mom obviously saved a lot of this stuff for you yeah. but there's a box in there full of fan scrapbooks that were yeah, sent to you that's good stuff. and it's like I, th I think back to those young girls that sent this thing they're 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 with you now and i don't know if they're aware of that but you actually have those scrapbooks i hope they know that because I that's want, very cool I want them to know that because that is such a compliment it's such a and I don't care if it's just because of, you know, the way I looked or they like the music or whatever. Whatever. It's just, it's a compliment, you know, to, to know that, like, there were young ladies out there who were, you know, and they've even told me this. And it's, it is on a certain level. I'm bragging. Yes. Okay. Whatever. But kissing my poster and thinking of fantasizing about that yeah. and having said, you know, that's their first, like, sexual fantasy. Cool, man. You shared something really funny with me that I never thought about is how you would have to deal with the boyfriends back then of some of the girls. Like, this was like an issue for you because yeah, these yeah. guys wanted to kind of kick your ass once in a while. Well, now I'm friends with them all. Like, <laughs> I made a point of like actually kind of catering to them. Like, just I to wanted... diffuse the problem. Right, right, exactly. Well, not only that, but I just knew that those were the guys that are now, they were the ones who were buying records, you know, now with their girlfriends when they, after they had sex and grew up. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's like, it, you know, <laughs> that's why I, I couldn't understand why the my management and uh, my label then, the Skyrock, they didn't understand that like it had, we had to go past yeah. the, you know, the lust. It was the after the act had been done where you go from there. After, because, you, you know, you, you're into like the puppy love stuff. And then when you have sex, you're into Aerosmith, Led right. Zeppelin, The Stones, you know what I mean? It's So you got to grow. And that's just, and I was of the age of the, the people who were buying my records. So I understood that, you know? I wanted to be the Cars. I wanted to be Zeppelin. I wanted to be Rod Stewart. I wanted to be Mick Jagger. Well, it's an interesting part of your story that you... I didn't want to be Leif Garrett. You were the one that was... <laughs> <laughs> you were the one pushing that on everybody, trying yeah. to evolve and trying to develop. And, you know, they had you, this product they had created, and they weren't going to stop until that product stopped producing. It's kind of like the oil companies today. They want to 
exhaust the resource before changing up and becoming something else they want to just make as much money as they can off of the way it is so they don't have to spend anything else anything else you want to share about the book before we Um, leave these folks today listening to us it's a fantastic read (laughs) (laughs) you're happy with how it's going right I'm really happy yeah but it's 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 the truth Leif Garrett and myself chatted recently. I want to point one thing out. It's actually Ashley Simpson that had the controversial Saturday Night Live lip sync uh, thing. I believe we said it was her sister Jessica, so correct that. But uh, but there you have it. Leif and I talking about uh, the new memoir. His new memoir that we've co-written comes out this summer. It's available starting today on Amazon.com. It's called Idle Truth. I hope you check it out. If you want to call in and chat with me about the book, about Leif, the number is 866-472-5788. Toll free, 866-472-5788. We have a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and hear from you. I'm Chris Epting. Thanks for listening to The Moment. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Moment with Chris Epting. If you have a question or a comment about our show, please send an email to Chris at chrisepting.com. That's chris at chrisepting.com. Now, back to The Moment. 
Welcome back to The Moment. I'm Chris Septing today talking about a new book with Leif Garrett called Idle Truth, which is now available for pre-order on Amazon.com and all other places where books are sold. Hope you enjoyed my conversation there with Leif. And the number, the toll-free number here, if you want to talk about this, is 866-472-5788. I believe we have Wendy who's called. And Wendy, are you there? I am, yeah. Hey there. Hi. Thanks for calling. What can I... uh, what can I answer for you today about all of this? <laughs> well, right now I'm kind of freaking out. Leap Garrett is actually there, and I'm talking to both of you on the phone right now. Well, here's the thing. He was pre-recorded, so he'll hear this after. Oh, he was. Yeah, oh, right now okay. you've got me, so you can exhale. It's okay. <laughs> oh, um, I, wanted to you... ask him a qu- I wanted to ask him a funny question, but... <laughs> oh, well, go, well, well, ask me. Okay. Maybe I can help you with it. Well, I'm going to blow your mind with this question, though. It's kind of funny. Okay. Okay. All right. So back in the day when he did all his concerts, I was like 14 years old. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, go to this concert at Melody Fair. I'm 14 years old. I steal my parents' car to go to this concert. Um, you know, back when, back in the, the late 70s, early 80s, people throw up their undergarments on stage Right. What did they do with those after the concert? That was my question. <laughs> what did they do with all that stuff that was thrown up on stage? Oh, that's <laughs> that funny. That was did, my did, question. Did you it's do a good that? Question, you, isn't it? Did you actually throw something up on stage? I did. I did. You did. Uh huh. My my hunch would be I don't want to speak for for Mr. Garrett, but my hunch would be but they probably that, threw it all away. Well, stage crew probably took it. I mean, I do know that when there were <laughs> gifts and things presented, you know, some of that stuff was kept. I know that Leif has actually a sizable amount of stuff from fans, you know, letters and gifts and things still in storage. Yeah. So there is some stuff that made it through, which is I think a really interesting part of, of helping to tell his story because when you look at that stuff, it really it's the it's the firsthand connection to people like you that were really so excited. I mean, God, you stole your parents' car to go see him. What does that say? I was, I was fourteen years old. My wait, so wait, wait, you were you didn't have a license yet. You took a car at fourteen. No, no, I took my parents' car. We drove to Triple A because it was so far from our house <laughs> to get a map to go to North Tonawanda where Melody Fair was to go find out where this place was to get there to go to this concert and we were 14 years old. <laughs> That's how badly we wanted to go to this concert. What did your parents do when they found <laughs> out that you had hijacked the car? My parents never found out. Well, but what? Uh, well, now it's public. Wait, what, what do you remember about the show? Is there any memory you've got from seeing Leif perform back in 1979? Well, first off, I remember the show was in the round. The, the um... The uh, the stage turned. Right. And we were first row. We were first row and the stage turned. Now, where is that Tonawanda? Are we talking upstate, are we talking upstate North, New York? North or? Tonawanda, uh, right near Niagara Falls. Right, right. Area. That's what I thought. Niagara Falls So you go area. to Tonawanda and you yeah. see the show. You're in the front row. What do you remember of the actual we're concert? We're in the front row. Uh, just bunches of people screaming. Of course, love the show, love Leif, of course, to this day, still love Leif. Mm-hmm. You know, just, every, it was the highlight of my teen years, seeing Leif Garrett in person. Are you excited highlight. about the book? It's my, I'm very excited. It's on my bucket list to meet this man. 
Like, there's no tomorrow. I will one day meet this man. Well, someday, I'm sure there's going to be a I book tour him. and all that kind of stuff that goes <laughs> so, along with the release yeah. of a book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's a lot yeah. of people like you that that have that memory, you know, this really precious memory of, okay, not everybody stole their parents' card 14, but they made it to the show <laughs> no, nevertheless and saw him. And I think, yeah. you know, for, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, uh, you know, it's, it's important to make, to, to keep that connection alive. So I'm glad you called in, Winnie, and I'm glad you shared the mm-hmm. story and I'm, I'm glad you made it at 14 years old with your, what, what kind of car was it? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was my dad's truck. It was a Chevy Silverado, and it was my friend Diane and myself, and we drove the truck there, <laughs> got back home safe and sound, not a problem, and we lived uh, about 45 miles away, you know, so, and just did what we had to do. We Listen, by the way, I don't, and, I don't know um, if you saw, but um, this is actually, this was an idea that Leif had, that anybody that pre-orders the book, if this is only if you're listening live, I want to preface, if it's on the archive, mm-hmm. this won't stand, but if you're listening right now on Valentine's Day, if you pre-order the book, you're, you'll actually automatically be entered to win a lunch date with he and myself mm-hmm. out here in California. So for what that's okay. worth, you may want to check Well, luckily, out. my daughter is a flight attendant, and I do fly for free, so. <laughs> okay, well, for what, what that's worth, thing, Wendy. Wendy, we're going to jump to another call here, but thanks for calling and for okay. listening and I hope you enjoy the book. Next up, I think we have Brigitte from Texas. Hello. Hey, Brigitte. I like to, I like to th- uh, say happy Valentine's Day to Leif. And also, um, I like to ask him, um, will he marry me? <laughs> well, he's not here right <laughs> now. I can certainly pass that along oh. for you. Um, Okay, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I don't know I'll, if he's I'll, I'll engaged to, I'll get or back to back seen that, anybody. I'm just, listen, did you ever see him perform uh, back in the 1970s? Um, I was in Germany and I saw him in Germany. That was oh, nice. Oh, really? So where yeah. would you have seen him in, in Germany? Was it a concert or was it a TV Hamburg? appearance or what was the what was the venue? It was it was done in a a, a building. I remember. Was was it and, a good show? Uh, was it were there a lot of people there? Was it? Yeah, there was a lot of people. It was all seating um, around the stage and stuff. It was a lot of people. People bring families and stuff. Well, are you excited about um, reading this book? Yes, I. I'm very excited. I I love him so much, and oh my god, you know. And well, well, I, I wanted to know what happened to all his uh, movie star friends. They just seemed to let him. Just go on drugs and all that, you know. Well, it's, listen, it's you know what? Blake addresses a lot of stuff him. in his book. He's, you know, he's still friends with a lot of people. I think people, some people move on. He moves on from other people. You know, it's like anything. People grow apart sometimes. Um, people uh, just make adjustments in their life. But you know, he's doing great. I think for him, uh, writing the book has been a, just a wonderful thing. It's a great way for him. Uh, just to remember, you know, what, what he went through and, and <laughs> what the future is going to be like. So in any event, though, Brigitte, I hope you enjoy the book. I uh, thank you for calling. And uh, again, you can go check that out on Amazon.com today. And if you order today, you'll be eligible to win a lunch date with Leif and myself. Thanks for calling, Brigitte. Great. Take care. Okay. All right. So we're back here uh, talking about, again, it's sort of, you know, Leif Garrett Day in my world. 
and uh, the book Idle Truth is available today. You know, the way this all came about was, you know, I'm essentially the same age as Leif, and I was always kind of curious about his career because as a teenager, you know, I was, look, I was into what he was into, the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, Sex Pistols and all that sort of thing. And, uh, but I was, but his career, whenever I would see him on TV, I was always struck by how, how smart he seemed and how he always seemed to kind of get sort of the, uh, he was self-effacing. He kind of got the joke of what it was like to be up there and not even be able to hear yourself in front of all of these these screaming girls. And so throughout his career, you know, whenever he'd be in the news or something, I'd sort of pay attention to what was going on. Certainly followed closely to the VH1 special that aired in 1999. And then was, was sad to see what he was going through in his personal life with addiction issues and, and what a lot of people know about. And so I actually reached out to him about two years ago. I had written a couple of memoirs with people and it was sort of a new thing I was trying this kind of uh, book to write and I, I approached somebody he works with and said you know I don't know if he's ever thought about it but if he ever wants to discuss writing a memoir I would love to and at that point he wasn't and uh, we sort of moved on but then shortly after that uh, they I was recontacted and he had started thinking about his memoir and they said you know what why don't you guys at least have a phone call and then get together and and just see what the chemistry is like. And we did. And the chemistry was amazing. And so right away, we fell into this pattern of just sharing stories, you know, and this is about a year and a half ago. And now, you know, literally hundreds of conversations later, um, we've built this piece of work called Idle Truth, which is now available on Amazon.com. And I think it's a, uh, I think it's a very unique um, celebrity memoir in that, you know, sometimes when a celebrity writes a book, the whole key is to like not tell the truth. It's to sort of create almost a parallel universe uh, and reinvent the truth in a way. And, you know, you can usually tell, I think, when you're reading that kind of book. Uh, this is not that. This is somebody whose first priority was wanting to get his own truth out there. And that was really kind of how we, we set the table on this and what we've stuck to. Uh, you're going to learn a lot about Leif, not just you know as a, as a teen idol, but a lot of people don't realize leading up until that point in his life, he was a very busy, uh, very successful young actor. I mean, I first saw him, I think, I was a big fan of the show The Odd Couple. And he, of course, played Leonard Unger. Tony Randall's son, Felix Unger's son on The Odd Couple for a couple of seasons. And you know, in addition to that, he was in all three Walking Tall films with his sister, Dawn Lynn. Now, if you don't know about Dawn Lynn, she actually was the first in the family to really get her acting chops you know, on a big level when she landed at the part of Dodie on My Three Sons in about 1970. The show at that point was kind of, you know when shows sometimes get a little bit uh, near the end of the line, and they introduce a new character to kind of refresh it. We'd see that later, like when the Brady Bunch introduced Cousin Oliver, or Partridge Family had that little kid called Ricky Siegel. Well, the, my three sons did it, I think, earlier than anybody with the introduction of Dodie, played by uh, Leif's sister, Dawn Lynn. And she was a really good actress, and, and you know, it helped the show survive for a few years. But Leif and Dawn would act in, in a bunch of things together. They did all three Walking Tall films, I believe, uh, several made-for-TV movies. They did a, an episode of Wonder Woman later on. So, you know, Leif's acting career uh, w was really something um, that, you know, was worthy of note back in the early 70s. I think it helped him when he got into the whole Teen Idol thing. I think he had... Uh, 
he understood what it was like as a performer. He knew how to hit his mark. He knew what the professional sort of requirements were of how you had to show up and be prepared. Because he'd been through it so many times already as an actor. And, and it really did come in handy for him. So, you know, that's all covered in the book. There are wonderful stories of, you know, amazing actors he worked with growing up, too. Leif's first film appearance was in the uh, just landmark film Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice in 1969 I believe which was a a groundbreaking film in terms of the subject matter you know wife swapping and open marriages and all of this and he was in that you know at eight years old or whatever so by the way my name is Chris Hepting you are listening to the moment the number if you want to call in and chat toll free is 866-472-5788 it's a big day here on the moment because I'm talking about the fact that today a uh, new memoir, Leif Garrett's Idle Truth, is available for pre-order on Amazon.com. You can check that out. If you're listening live here on Valentine's Day, if you purchase that book today, if you pre-order it, you will become automatically eligible to win a dream date with Leif Garrett. That was Leif's idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. And from what I've seen this morning, it's getting a lot of response. You can check that out if you get a chance. But, uh, you know, when you think about the concept of this show or is bringing people on to talk about moments in their life, Leif's book is probably wall-to-wall with more moments, precise moments, than any other book I've ever worked on. I mean, literally, from the time he started acting, there was always some new adventure, always something exciting, all through his teenage years as a teen idol. And then even through the 80s, I mean, you know, he kept acting and, and stayed busy. You know, a lot of people, when they saw Behind the Music, which aired in, I believe, January of 1999, Leif had been off their their radar for a long time, and they they were sort of surprised that he had been through the things that he had, but uh, but he did stay busy through the 80s and even through the 90s and 2000s. You know, there, there was always work for Leif to do, and he still managed through all the th- things he was going through personally, um, you know, still managed to, to be out there as an actor. And I think, you know, honestly, he's... Uh, He's a very good actor. I, I would not be surprised if him, with the book and everything, Leif will obviously be doing a lot of press and, and be out there in public in a, in a very new kind of way. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it results in new acting parts for him because I think casting people and people in the business will see that he takes his acting seriously and he's really good at it. And when he talks about acting today, like he does in the book, he, he addresses the art of craft and who he worked with and what he learned and um, you know, and, he, and he's still quite good and still quite plugged into all of that. But I'm excited, you know, as a writer, there's always that when you see something's available for pre-order on Amazon, that makes it real. And when you see the book cover there, and I want to call out to the book cover uh, is, is an image shot by the wonderful photographer Brad Elterman. And uh, Brad and Leif have a really special history that goes back to the mid-1970s. There were a lot of photographers that took Leif's picture back then, obviously. But Brad was the one that really formed a special bond with Leif. They were very close in age. Um, Brad was just a cool guy, you know, a good guy to hang out with. And so they became friends. And subsequently, um, you know, Brad would travel with Lave. They would be, you know, going around the world. And, you know, again, that allowed, that gave Brad access to Lave that other photographers didn't have. And I think it shows in, in Brad's photographs. Look, Brad took a lot of amazing photographs that nobody else captured, whether we're talking about Joan Jett or David Bowie or Michael Jackson or Bob Dylan. 
Brad had this very kind of verite way of working where it wasn't about posing people necessarily as it was capturing people out in the public. And at least that's one of his gifts as a photographer. And so I interviewed Brad for the book, obviously, because he was there uh, at a critical moment in Leif's life. And, um, you know, we got friendly through this and and Brad has been uh, terrific in terms of his generosity with the images and that is his beautiful cover on the book. We have a caller here, Sandy from California. Sandy, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. What can I answer for you today about Leif or the book or anything related to all this crazy stuff? I'm excited about the book. I'm excited to hear Leif's side of things he went through. Um, I wanted to share with you uh, a story that happened when I was a teenager. Leif came to Bakersfield. Uh And he was doing uh, a concert here, but he also stopped at a local bookstore to kind of do a meet and greet, I think it was. And uh, I had just got my driver's license. I was 16. I had a little blue bug. I dragged my little brother with me because I was afraid, you know, to drive by myself in the big town of Bakersfield. We go and we get there really early and I'm all excited. There's no girls here yet. We get in there and within 10 minutes, it's like thousands of these girls show up. (laughs) And I'm like, dang, you know, I'm not going to get to see him. I really wanted to see him. Well, I had blonde hair. And these girls start swarming lace, pulling chunks of hair. I get chunks of my hair pulled out. My Wait, brother's they dragging were, did, me. Did they think you were lace? I, I guess. Because when I left there, I had bald spots. <laughs> and they busted the whole window out. It had like a huge side, you know, like a storefront window. They busted yeah. it out. Cops came. It was crazy. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is not fun. <laughs> did you, Sandy, <laughs> did you really br- scary for him? Well, you know, you bring up a really good point. And it's funny because there's actually a chapter in the book about the very thing you're describing, which was his safety. And, you know, as much as he appreciated the attention and the affection from the fans, things could get critically unsafe for people and i mean down in australia they actually had to resort to using an armored car because the limo almost got flipped over so you know he there there was this kind of weird balance that they had to be conscious of sandy did you end up seeing the concert in bakersfield when you were up there or just the bookstore appearance i did i did i got to see the concert do you remember where it was in bakersfield by any chance it was at back then they called it the civic auditorium Uh uh-huh and I believe it was for a charity that he was really concerned with called um, Huntington's Disease. You're, you know, you're exactly yeah. right. I think you're right. I think it's about 1981. This is in the book as well because he had gone up there to do um, some pre-advanced publicity, I, I believe, and then came back to do the mm-hmm. show. Yep. And that's how I got to see him because I actually grew up in a little town 20 miles outside of Bakersfield called Arvin. 
And mm-hmm. this was like a big deal when Leif came to Bakersfield. We never thought he would come to Bakersfield, you know, this little podunk town. <laughs> that had to be and, kind of surreal. That had to be very surreal for you in a place. Because, like you say, it's one thing to appear in Los Angeles or New York or a big city. But I think, you know, mm-hmm. I think for Leif, a lot of the smaller towns, and he did a lot of those towns on that summer tour in 79. Um, and it was a big deal for people because, you know, if you were going to a local state fair, you just wouldn't expect to see you know, your teen idol in, in the flesh like that. Exactly. So I appreciate exactly. what you're saying. But did you enjoy the, I just want to tell him, I just want to tell him thank you. Thank well, you listen. for all he went through, you know, and I know that for millions of girls, he played a role. I mean, some of us didn't have the best childhoods and it was like a, a release when you walked in your room, like you entered a different world. It was a happy world. And I you know, just want to thank him for that. Sandy, I really appreciate you saying that. I think you, you bring up something really important that people forget sometimes is that with teen idols, people may look at it and think it was just some frivolous, unimportant thing. But it really – these kinds of things as a teenager really do help you cope with things like loneliness or other issues and things when you can kind mm-hmm. of escape into that world for a minute. It can, uh, it, it can help. And I think exactly. you say something really important. Are you going to read the book? Oh, man, I'm ordering it today. Yes, I can't wait. It, from what I'm hearing when you're interviewing him is he's relieved and proud and finally like this is my story. And this is the one I really want to read. So I'm ordering it today. Well, Sandy, I appreciate it. Hey, ordering today, don't forget, February 14th, Valentine's Day, you will automatically be eligible to possibly win a lunch date with both Leif and myself. And I hope you're right up there in the running. You sound like you've got a great story yourself. And I appreciate you calling. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Sandy. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. All right, you too. Boy, what she said right there was – was really that really caught me off guard because you know when you hear somebody firsthand express something like that that this was more than just you know kissing a picture on a wall this was actually something you know this love of teen idol that provided um you know something tangible almost like a therapeutic escape that's uh boy what, what she said was that that was that was really something. Thank you, Sandy, if you're still listening. I think that uh, taps into something very important, probably about all teen idols. And again, teenage years, you know, were so formidable, especially, you know, teenage girls in the 70s. This was like the magazines would feed them these these contests and things over and over every week and really did own a large part of their emotions. And so for her to to express it like that, that was very beautiful and very eloquent, and, and I thank her again. I am going to need to wrap up here in a second. This was um, a really fun episode of the moment. Again, I was very excited to come on here February 14th, Valentine's Day, if you're listening live, and uh, and have you listen to a conversation with uh, my friend and, and co-writer Leif Garrett, who I'm just so thrilled and, and really honored to be working with him on his story. I think you're going to love the book. The book is called Idle Truth. I-D-O-L, Idle Truth. It's now available on Amazon.com for pre-order. Check it out. It's loaded with amazing stories that will, I think, really shed light onto this uh, this very special person named Leif Garrett. I know he's anxious for you to check his story out. I am, too. I'm Chris Epting. Thank you for listening to The Moment each week. I really appreciate it. And I will see you back here next Thursday. Take care. Thank you for taking a moment out of your busy week to join us for The Moment. 
Be sure to join Chris Epting for another edition next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week. 